News Talk 580 CFRA presents The Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. And back at it for another Saturday afternoon. The number uh, already active, ready for you to call in. It is a live call-in show, the, the Employment Hour, as you know, 613-521-TALK. That is the number to call to reach out and ask your questions uh, for the remainder, or at least for this hour anyway, here on uh, on CFRA. Lots of stuff to get through today. In fact, how to deal with criticism, discipline, bad performance reviews. That is all coming up in the show. A bunch of your emails as well to reach out through email. It is help at employmenthour.com. Leorn, my brother, what uh, what is happening uh, this week with you? Well, you know, it's uh, it's the same thing that we do every week, which is uh, myself, my colleagues, we get the opportunity, the, the privilege to speak to a lot of people and to answer a lot of questions and hopefully alleviate some concerns that people have about their workplace rights and, and workplace problems. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like to do. And that's why uh, I'm an employment lawyer. So I, I encourage everyone listening right now to either call us here on the show. Let's uh, make it interesting. Let's educate uh, the public by answering your questions. Or if you want to talk to me privately, call me privately. Call me in the office. Email me. We'll give you that contact information throughout the show. But remember, there's no bad questions. There's only answers there's only solutions. So if you have a workplace problem, uh, your boss did something or said something, you've always wondered, hey, should I be paid for this? Is my boss allowed to do this? Uh, I lost my job. What does that mean? Well, call us. Let's talk about that. There's solutions, I promise. And, John, a couple situations that came across my desk uh, just very, very recently. Uh, first one has to do with workplace harassment. Now, we've spoken before many times about workplace harassment from the perspective of the person that is being harassed. We talked about what to do if you're being harassed, what your rights are. But what about a person who is being accused of harassing someone else? Mm -hmm. What are this person's rights? Well, I got a call very recently from a gentleman uh, who found out that uh, there was a harassment complaint filed against him by a coworker. Well, how did he find out about it? Well, he found out about it because he was called into a meeting last week uh, on a Friday morning, and the company says, we understand that you uh, uh, had a, an issue with this employee, and here's your letter of termination. You're out of here. Well, well, wait a second. This person had no idea about this, was never told, uh, and the first time he found out about it is when he is being let go. Now, he says he never did it. He never harassed the person, uh, that it's all either either a lie or a misunderstanding. So what does this actually mean? Remember, John, the company has a very strict legal obligation to investigate harassment uh, allegations. They can't ignore it, but they also can't take someone's word for it. They have to investigate. So if this company fires this person without actually getting his perspective, his side of the story, then clearly they haven't really done a, a proper investigation. So they cannot let him go for cause. So just by the failure to investigate, they can never say, we know for a fact that he did it because they didn't do a proper right. investigation. So this person is likely going to be owed significant severance. And I wanted to raise this here to remind employers, employees, that harassment has to be taken seriously. And when someone talks about harassment or files a harassment complaint, the company has to immediately investigate, talk to all the people involved, the, the employees that are involved, the, the people accused, uh, get everyone's perspective, and ultimately come to a conclusion and try to fix the problem. But they can't take someone's word for it. They can't jump steps. They can't punish someone before they've done a proper investigation. All those things are bad things. All those things are things that will get employers into trouble. So there's some very important lessons there, John, for both employees and employers. 
Do you think you're going to start seeing more of this, especially with this climate of harassment in the last couple of years in the media that, you know, as soon as an employer hears a complaint, well, it's a tempest in a teapot. I'm just going to cut this person loose before this thing gets ugly. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Absolutely. Employers are getting more nervous about this, and, I, and you know, uh-huh. rightfully so. But you can't uh, have that impact your obligations. Your obligations are to investigate. Your obligations are to be neutral and reasonable. So you can't say, well, I, I don't even want to think about this. I'm just going to fire someone if there's even a suspicion of something. It doesn't work that way. There could be human rights issues as well. So employers have to take things seriously but can't jump to conclusion. You mentioned uh, reaching out when we're not or on the air or on the air. Uh, either way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That will put you in touch with Lior and a member of his team. Help at employmenthour dot com. But immediately, right here over the next hour, uh, we are good for you to call in. This is a call in show six one three five two one talk. In that regard, I think we have uh, an early call eager on the phone lines for sure. This is uh, this is Gary. Gary, have a question for Lior. Go ahead. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, Lior, to start with, I was a client of your company, so, you know, get that out of the way. My question (laughs) revolves around seasonal employees. I was a full-time employee with this company for nine years. At the end of my ninth year, they changed my employment rating from full-time with benefits to seasonal with no benefits. So just at the halfway through the tenth year, I got laid off. I tried to get some severance, and uh, no, the company was not going to budge. They, To my knowledge, they never paid severance to any employee, whether it be full-time or seasonal. I have since learned the only way I can proceed is to try and sue them in court with money I don't have. So is this something that is common for seasonal employees, or is this just the way the ball bounces sometimes? Mm-hmm. So, Gary, when you became, or I say became in quotation marks, but when you became a seasonal employee, other than the fact that your title changed and, and no benefits, did anything change in terms of your hours, your, your days, anything at all? Nope. Nothing changed? You continued working the same? It was just same, same old, same it's a old. title. It was yep. just a title. Yeah. One of the, the things that I, I will add in is prior to that, I would go away for three months, uh, January to uh, the end of March uh, for about four years because I had a place down south and uh, in no way at all I wasn't given a a row or anything else I was just uh, see in the spring and that was it they paid my benefits all the time I was away but it wasn't until the 10th year that oh yeah you're out of the country well too bad you don't have any more benefits yeah no it doesn't work that way so so Gary obviously you were an employee and, and titles don't matter when it comes to severance. They actually don't matter for, for most things. Right. So you, you're a regular employee, and the company can't avoid that uh, in terms of severance by changing your title. Of course, you're owed severance. Now, uh, you said that you have to sue them. Are you working with my firm on this? I was. Okay. We uh, what, wrote what it Did off. you send them a letter? I'm sorry? Did we send them a letter? Um, the company I worked for, oh, yes. And you dealt with the company's lawyer, I guess, more than once, and... Uh, to no avail, hmm. and, and and they they they're not they're refusing to pay to pay severance. It, it sounds That's like right. there's something here that that I'm missing because this is this again just based on the very sure. quick facts that you gave me it seems like a very very straightforward matter. If you want to speak to me specifically about it more, let's let's do that. Let's do that off sure. air because it, it's not likely in a situation like this, based on what you've told me, that we would actually have to take legal action because it's that straightforward. 
So let, let, let's you and I connect, sure. and maybe I can I can take a look and see if there's something that's has been missed here because this yep. is a straightforward matter. It really is. Well, I, can I mention his name? Who I was dealing with? It was one of the Alexes. Okay, that's fine. Yep. That's fine. Okay. But uh, you know, as I say, uh, the last time I spoke to him was uh, more than a couple of weeks ago, and uh, as I say, uh, I wasn't in a position to uh, <coughs> sue anybody, so I I said, well, case closed. So that. let's let's connect off there, okay. uh, uh, Gary. Let, let's talk about that more because if you're working, you have a job for 10 years, you're let go, you're out severance, full stop. Uh, I mean, in some situations, if, if you find a job immediately, that, that uh, amount of severance may be reduced, but you're out severance and the company can't avoid paying severance by calling you a seasonal employee, by calling you an independent contractor, by calling you part-time. None of that, none of that actually matters. And the thing, the other thing is, I'm I was 70 years old when this started to take place, so I'm hmm. I'm 72 right now, but uh, I sure could have used the money. <laughs> right, I understand completely. So let, let's talk about that. Okay, nope, not a Gary. problem. I've got your number here. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate that. You had to reach out through email just in case. Help at employmenthour.com. Let's. Uh, we still got a couple minutes. I know you had one more uh, thing to talk about with the week that was, Leor. Let's get to that. Yeah, I, I uh, actually earlier today uh, on Saturday, I got an email from someone, detailed email, where. Uh, this person apparently uh, has been off work for medical reasons for just over a year and did exactly the right thing. Uh, right at, right when uh, she went off, uh, provided the company a doctor's note mm-hmm. uh, updating them uh, on the situation and throughout the last year provided regular doctor's notes saying, you know, still under doctor's care. There was no real uh, date yet for her return to work. Well, wouldn't you know it, last week she gets a, a note from her employer saying, uh, you've been let go for job abandonment, and wow. so long, no severance mm-hmm. for you. Uh, and, and obviously, as you, you would expect, she he contacted me today, very concerned, very panicked. Why do, Why can they do that? What does that mean? Well, I, I'm going to speak to her after the weekend, but come on. that There's no chance for, for that to be job abandonment. If you're <laughs> under doctor's care... Uh, and you can't work, and you're providing an update to the company, they know that you're under doctor's care because you give them a doctor's note. That's silly. That's ridiculous. Of course, that's not job abandonment. You can be off work as long as needed to get better. Sometimes it could be days, weeks, months, even years. So that's uh, that sounds to me like a wrongful dismissal, a human rights violation. It's wrong, It's and it's illegal. I wanted to bring that up here to remind everyone that your employ- employer can't and your employment can't let you go, can't consider you to have resigned because you are sick, because you're off work. Regardless of how long you work, that's illegal to do that. If they do, you get on the phone, you call me, you email me, and, and I'll help you. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com is the number. We'll get into a, a short break here and right back at it. Phone lines, as you know, are open and uh, ready for you. That number is six one three five two one. Talk. You have questions about your employment, your job, your boss. Bring them on. We'll take them all right till five o'clock this afternoon. This is the Employment Hour right here. News Talk five eighty CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with Employment Lawyer Leor Samfiru. And back at it indeed, right till 6 o'clock, taking your calls. You know that number, 613-521-TOT. This is a live call-in show about your employment, your job, pretty much where you spend the majority of your time during the day or night, if you've uh, got that type of vocation. want to get into this, Lior, and I know it's a, it's a pretty important topic, and that is how, how to deal with criticism, discipline, and bad performance reviews. What do you say? It is an important topic, and, and it's a topic that often is misunderstood. No one likes, of course, to 
to be uh, disciplined or to be criticized or yeah. you know to put on a performance improvement plan. It's a difficult situation and it's stressful, but usually it's a sign of other things to come. And you need to know uh, how to deal with that if you're an employee. And certainly if you're an employer, you need to understand how to properly use discipline when you can and when you cannot. You know, and oftentimes discipline is a precursor to a termination. So there's important things for employers and employees to understand here uh, when it comes to discipline, what to do, when it's appropriate, and when it's not appropriate. Well, I mean, that regard, let's take it from the angle of the employer first. When should an employer take measures to deal with uh, that problem employee? So anytime an employee does something that contradicts the company's expectations or policies, it is fair game for the company to Mm -hmm. impose some form of discipline or to deal with that in in some way. In fact, it's a good idea to do that. So a company, very important, should not ignore and disregard the types of behavior that are inconsistent with its policies or expectations. A company is should expect people to follow policies, expect people to do a good job, to, to, to follow the procedures that the company set out. And if not, the company has uh, and should impose disciplinary measures, performance improvement plan, and deal with the problem to try to fix it. What a company doesn't want to do, which is where a lot of companies get in trouble, is you know turn a blind eye and then one day realize now it's too much. Now we want to deal with this. Once you ignore a problem for too long, once you ignore a behavior for too long, maybe an employee's spending too much time on the computer instead of working, and say, okay, well, you know, we've we've been very nice. Now we want to crack down on it. That's that's very difficult to do because you've established this history, you've condoned right. the behavior, and then you may not be able to discipline the employee properly for that type of behavior. And the same thing applies from the perspective of the employee. If, if your employer all of a sudden is trying to discipline you for things that in the past have been just fine, well, that could be a problem. That could actually be a constructive dismissal. So again, from right. the employer's perspective, once the employee does something that's inconsistent with their job or policies, discipline should be imposed. Get to more of that here in just a moment. As you know, the phone number is 613-521-TALK. you got a remainder of the hour to call in, ask your questions, make your comments. Love to hear from you. In that regard, we'll get to uh, to Mike here. I think he's got a, a question for us. Hey, Mike, good afternoon. How are you? Good. Um, I work for, uh, well, not a crown corporation, but a, the city. And uh, um, I was I missed a week of work. But I phoned in and everything, and uh, and I went back, and he says, no, I can't take you on. He said, my supervisor talked to his supervisor, and he said, i got to let you go. At one point, I was working 39 hours a week, but they considered it part-time. I, I don't know how that is, but I guess it is. I don't know. Um, and then they cut my hours back to 18 now, Mike, why did you miss the week? What happened there? I, I was sick. You were sick, and, and uh, you were unable to work? Uh, no, I wasn't able to work. And there's and also mobility issues. like. Um, hmm. Now, Mike, are you part of a union? Yes, but they don't seem to be... Yeah. So unfortunately, Mike, the, the, the only one that can help you in this situation is the union. What you've described is completely wrong. The company cannot and should not uh, fire you or, uh, if you're sick, if you're not able to work legitimately for medical reasons. That's illegal. That could be a human rights violation. Uh, that's clearly going to be a breach of the collective agreement. But here's the thing. 
the only one that's allowed, I'm not talking yeah. about should, I'm ta- the only one that's actually allowed to help you is the union, if you're part of a union. So which means that uh, the union has to represent you and file a grievance and deal with your, with your employer, with the city. Uh, anything beyond that, there's nothing that can be done. So you have to push the union here, and ultimately it has to be the union. And if the union refuses for whatever reason, I can't imagine why, you're, you're in a sense you're stuck. So I, I, I hope that you can push the union. I hope you can work with them. But that's the, that's the thing, and, and I want our listeners to understand that when you're a unionized employee and you're having a problem with your employer, the only one allowed to help you is the union, no exceptions. And so I'm dismissed then, but I didn't get a... Uh, like what do you call it, a separation ship, a slip or anything like. Yeah, I I hear you. Which is why you have to talk to the union as soon as possible, uh, because again, ultimately the union is the only one that can resolve this problem. Uh, I can't, you can't, no one else can. It has to be the union. Yeah, it's something good to reiterate from time to time, I guess, is that if you're under the uh, union umbrella, as you we like to say, uh, you know, you live and die by that collective agreement. You're bound to stay within the union for help, right? I get about half a dozen at least calls or emails a day from unionized employees every single day, including weekends, uh, and, and with serious problem and, and, and with very uh, very big concerns about uh, things going on in the workplace. And unfortunately, I always have to tell them, and you know, a lot of them are not happy, but I have to tell them, I can't help you. It has to be the union. Those are the laws here in this province, actually, throughout Canada. And because of that, you know, you have to push the union. And if the union's not doing a good job, you're going to find yourself stuck. It's a difficult situation, very different than a non-union employee who can deal with the issues themselves. I can help them, and usually matters can resolve much quicker. It's just the way it is. Mike made that call. You can as well. Plenty of time till 6. 613-521-TALK is the number. In the meantime, talking about dealing with criticism, discipline, and bad performance reviews. You talk about, uh, you know, just before Mike called through that an employer really has to get on this if there's problems. Nip it in the bud. As they say, uh, while they can, while it's still possible, becomes, you know, a term of an employment or accepted behavior. So what are, what are, I guess you could say, corrective measures that are available to an employer that has this type of employee? Yeah, so there's a number of measures, disciplinary measures, corrective measures are available to employers. Uh, and usually we're talking about things such as warnings, which could be either uh, verbal or written. Right. And, you know, by a warning, you're telling the, the employee, you better shape up. Uh, and it can escalate from there. It can escalate to suspensions. And by the way, when it comes to suspensions, we're talking about uh, unpaid paid? suspensions being illegal. So only right. the only type of suspension that's allowed is a paid Suspension. So remember that. If you've been put in an unpaid suspension, again, we're talking about non-union employees, that's not something a company is allowed to do usually, and that could be a constructive dismissal. But a paid suspension is a disciplinary measure. In some situations, a company can even impose what we call a disciplinary demotion. They can Mm. demote you for disciplinary reasons. Again, that's extreme. There's other measures such as performance improvement plans where the company identifies the issues that uh, they're identified that, that they they're facing and put a yeah. plan and a- of action into place as to how those get fixed. So there's a number of measures available to employers. What usually is not available is a termination for cause. Because remember, John, that's only reserved for the worst offenders. Right. So for the company to actually be able to say, "That's it, I'm letting you go for cause. I'm letting you go without any severance, without any compensation." You, the employee, would have had to do something nasty, something awful, something terrible before mm-hmm. that could even be considered. 
So when they start uh, considering these these corrective measures, do they just, as an employer, do you just go at it, drop the hammer, or do you kind of gonna have to massage them in there, you know, relatively easily? How do you how do you go about uh, implementing them? So usually, what you want to do when with implementing measures is you want to uh, have them escalate in severity. You want to always start off with a, a lighter punishment, if you know what okay. I mean, such as yeah. a, uh, a a verbal warning, and escalate from there if the behavior continues. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to send the message to the employee that you know we're not going to take take it, and if issues yeah. continue, there may be the ultimate punishment at the end, which is a termination for cause. So you want to start with a verbal warning, escalate to a written warning, potentially a second one, maybe a suspension, and then you may be in a, in a position to terminate for cause. So the, the the way to do discipline is to increase in severity, and you don't really want to jump steps in the process. You want you don't want to go from a verbal warning to a suspension, or from a uh, written warning to a termination for cause. You want to do that in, in stages and, and do it progressively. If not, you may find yourself, do I have constructively dismissed the employee or potentially do have wrongfully dismissed them uh, and owe them compensation? Questions about this or any other, 613-521-TALK till 6 o'clock tonight. You've got lots of time to call in, ask your questions, uh, get them answered here, talking about criticism, discipline, bad performance reviews. So you've got this employee, uh, you've made them aware of some uh, some problems. They're like, okay, guilty as charged, you got me. Um if there's a legitimate reason for the corrective measure, what should the employee on the employee side now? What should they do? Well, if 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 the discipline is legitimate, I would no. always write back to the company saying, you know, I understand what you're saying. I'm going to work on it, and I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen again. And of course, you want to correct the behavior. So if the discipline is something you agree with, it's okay to to accept it, correct the behavior, uh, but make sure that the company knows you're not taking it lightly and you're taking it seriously. What, where it gets more interesting, and we're going to talk about that after the break, is what happens in situations where the discipline is not legitimate, where you right. disagree with it, uh, where the company saying you did things that you didn't do. We're going to talk about that coming up after the break. Good call. We'll get to that and your phone calls as well. Plenty of time. 613-521-TALK. Lines are open and ready for you. You want to email it is simply help at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the Employment Hour is right on the way. News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. We are back indeed, and we do this till 6 o'clock on your Saturday, 613-521-TALK, the number to call in. We'll get back into our discussion about dealing with criticism, discipline, and bad performance reviews uh, from the point of view of the employee here in just uh, just a moment. But, uh, of course, as always, you, the the phone callers and listeners, have priority. We'll get to Eric as he's uh, been standing by. Hi, Eric. Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, good afternoon. Great. Go ahead. Um, well, it happened uh, five years ago. Uh, uh, sorry, four years ago. Uh, I was a, a truck driver for a company, and I, and I was there for eight years. And what happened was I, I went out on the road, and I started getting dizzy spells behind the wheel. Mm. And so I, I, I didn't want to drive on the highway anyway, and they, they scheduled me on the highway, and I was just too scared to go on the road. And so what I did was I quit because I got harassed by the personnel director, and, and so I just basically added in my book, and I left, and I, I didn't drive again. I tried driving, and I was a little bit okay, but what happened was I started working for a, a temporary agency at half the wages, and uh, I started working, but I st- my condition started getting worse. I started getting dizzy just standing up. Well, I ended up in the hospital for a month, and it turns out um, I was recently uh, diagnosed with MS through an MRI. Right. And and the government's been great. The hospital is fantastic, you know. 
I'm just wondering if it's just too late to do anything. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, uh, Eric, it is too late. Uh, you, you would have had two years to do something uh, about it. But let me ask you this. At the time when you were telling him you can't work because, or you can't drive on the highway because of those dizzy spells, did you give him something from a doctor, doctor's note, saying that uh, you have these spells and you shouldn't be driving on the highway? No, I, I still haven't done that. And they haven't taken because they're going to be putting me on uh, – these expensive drugs, which will stop this. It's lesions. That's all they said, lesions in your brain. Okay. So so here's what I would have done at the time. Uh, I mean, I understand no diagnosis, but, you know, it's one th- you could always kind of go to your doctor and say, I'm having these dizzy spells. Do you think it's a good idea for me to uh, drive on the highway? And the doctor's probably going to say no. And then you give a doctor's note, and then they have to accommodate you. They have to, to work with you on this. They can't just say too bad. And at that point, if they don't do that, then that could be a constructive dismissal as well as a human rights violation. If you're simply telling them, you know, I, I don't want to drive on the highway, but you don't have anything from a doctor, you know, it's easy for them to ignore it. It's easy for mm-hmm. them to say, well, you know, that's your thought, but we don't have any reason to think that there's an issue here. So I would have given them a doctor's note. But again, at this point, unfortunately, it's, it's a bit of, a, of an academic exercise because uh, it's been, I think you said, four years or so. There would have been two years to go back and deal with it. So, uh, you know, I, I hope you feel much better. I hope you can get treatment and, and uh, continue to, to, to work. Uh, but in terms of that company from four years ago, uh, there's not much that can be done. Oh, okay. I just want to say thanks to the people of the Queensway Carlson in case anybody's listening. <laughs> thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate uh, that call. 613-521-TALK is the number you want to call in, ask your questions as well. Move on to uh, Hyan. Hyan, how are you? Hi. Hey, Hi. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Hi. Uh, okay, so I just... Uh, this happened at around uh, 2017 of uh, like uh, December, where I got the job at a public service uh, sector as a student uh, for FSWEP. And I, uh, like, after completing the interviews and, uh, like, uh, signing the papers, we submitted everything to CSIS for the level two clearance. And, um, uh, like, after a series of, like, uh, correspondence between the manager and the uh, HR, um, they just let me know that they'll follow up with me as soon as uh, the security uh, comes back. Um, at first, the job was going to be a part-time uh, winter. Um, and then they had said that if the security uh, takes too long, then you can do full time in the summer. Um, and then he had like the manager had also said, uh, I think it was the deputy manager. I'm, I'm not sure. Like I didn't get too familiar with the the whole bureaucracy, but um, he had said that if if uh, the whole process takes too long and the job expires, like you'll at least have the experience out of it, so that you didn't wait for nothing. Um, in August. I get a call, or sorry, in August, yeah, I get an email saying come to the uh, Ogilvy place for um, for the uh, screening, and uh, it was like a it was, it was a pretty long time uh, to, to sit through and explain talk and everything, and then um, uh, the next day I get a call uh, saying uh, from CSIS saying that the job is no longer available and so uh, they can't get the security clearance uh, finished. Um, and I emailed back saying that, uh, okay, like, uh, I had said this with the manager, like, what, uh, what happened? And, uh, I get an email back saying, uh, that that manager is no longer working there and mm-hmm. that, uh, the security clearance was conditional to the job. 
but the job was conditional to the security clearance and so Boy. i've kind of put that in the past and like uh like i haven't tried again but um uh, if, if i can get an, a, a little bit of uh academic ad- exercise uh to learn maybe from from this experience too. so hi and is it a situation where you, you you weren't able to get the clearance no so there was nothing wrong with the clearance they uh like he's like i asked him uh specifically whether that was the case and he had said that he wasn't even able to proceed uh, after like uh, getting everything because he had found out that there was no longer a position because so the, this the, is a case we call this misrepresentation the, sometimes it's called wrongful hire where you being being hired with certain uh, understanding and certain promises and those turn out to be wrong or false or, or maybe just negligent. So mm-hmm. in those situations, uh, you actually may have recourse. And here's how I look at it. So you're, you, you believe you have a job, so you're not necessarily looking at anything else. You're not looking at other opportunities. Yeah. You're sitting yeah. there waiting for this process to see itself through because at the end of it, there's a job for you. Uh, and, and, and I feel if, bad for, for like admitting that because like the, like my, my family said, keep looking. My friends said, yeah. keep looking, but I was like, Oh no, like I'm a student. I'm just trying to focus on my studies. Right. I got this job pending. It's all good. You know? And, and here's, I mean, likely, you know, a, a young guy, uh, if you're looking for another job during the meantime, you're likely to have found a job and you're likely to, to have earned any income instead of, you know, waiting for these guys. So you actually may have recourse uh, in the sense they may owe you some compensation for what reasonably you could have expected to earn had they not misled you. Uh, it, it is not something, believe it or not, it's something that happens fairly often where a company uh, tells people about a job or makes a promise and those promises turn out to be false and then there's no job. So you may have a claim against them, again, depending on how long this process took and what kind of other jobs you'd be looking for. You know, If they were part-time minimum wage jobs, the value of compensation that they may owe you may not be significant, but they can't just do that. They can't just make mm-hmm. you promises, you know, lead you on, have you uh, commit to them and, and avoid other opportunities or not look mm-hmm. at other opportunities and then say, oh, no, no, this, this job doesn't exist anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. By doing that, you've potentially lost money and they may be liable for it. If you'd like to discuss mm-hmm. that more, Hein, let, let's you and I connect off air. Uh, but this is actually a very important call. I'm glad you made it because you want to be, be careful out there. If you're being offered a job, you want to get commitments from the company in writing. Always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. otherwise, they can deny it. They can say it never happened. And if a company mm-hmm. makes you promises and as a result of that, you rely on those promises and then those promises end up being false, you may have a claim against the company. Mm. Mm. And if, if it's the public sector, though, like it's just like a whole entanglement process and like it's kind of bound to get drowned out. Well, perhaps, like, but I, the laws are the laws and the laws apply the right. same way public service, pub, uh, private right. sector, they apply just the same. They still mm. can't make promises that cause you losses. Right. Uh, and if they do, that's uh, that's something that they could be liable for. My, it's just that the general sentiment I got from speaking to other public service employees was that, oh, yeah, that's just how it works. You know, that's how yeah. it goes. Like, you know. I, I'm not surprised by that, but it doesn't make it legal. It's still illegal. Right. 
Thanks, okay. Hyde. We're gonna uh, we're right. gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you uh, let you carry on with Lior outside of the uh, the hour of the show. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred again. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to uh, to follow up here. Still got a couple minutes before we break uh, our uh, conversation until the uh, the phone calls was dealing with criticism, discipline, bad performance reviews. As an employer, now you've uh, you've got some on your hands. You know how to administer it. You know what you're gonna do now. If the employee does not agree with that discipline, that it's fair. What does that person do? And very common question that I get is, is, is something like this. You know, I've been put on a performance improvement plan. I don't agree with it. Or I've received a written warning. I don't think that that's right. Uh, what do I do? So, so here's what you do. The, the most important thing, if you're put on a performance improvement plan or something, uh, someone's accusing you of something and it's wrong, it's not uh, uh, accurate, you have to say so. Mm-hmm. And you have to say so in writing. Very important. You cannot ignore it, and you cannot be silent. Silence is exactly the same as saying, I agree. Silence is exactly the same as saying, yeah, you're right, and I'm wrong. And if the company is right, and you're wrong, that's fine. But if that's not the case, you have to say so. Even if a a part of what the company is saying is wrong, say so. And the way you would do it, you would send an email and say, you know, company, you've said that I've done uh, X, Y, and Z. Well, I may have done X, but I didn't do Y and Z, and here's why. Here's what actually happened. Here's what you don't know. You know, and I'm committed to improving, but improving, but I want us to be on the same page. By doing that, you're going to make it much more difficult for the company to rely on that later on if they decide to let you go. So the most important thing when it comes to discipline, when it comes to performance improvement plan, is don't just take it silently. I know it's uncomfortable sometimes to to you know, challenge your employer, but as long as you do it professionally and respectfully, you, you there's no downside and only upside, and you have to absolutely do it. Put it in writing, and and if you do that, you'll be much happier later on when uh, the company is not in a position to let you go for cause. So always respond and always in writing. We'll take a, a short break in that regard. We're right back to it. Still have time for you to call in and ask your questions. Six one three five two one talk is the number. It's the employment hour on News Talk five eighty CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. Still some time to call in as we uh, carry on here. 613-521-TALK. You want to get, uh, squeeze a call in before the, the top of the hour and the end of the show for this week. In the meantime, though, we're talking about dealing with criticism, discipline, bad performance reviews. And we mentioned that, uh, you know, imposing discipline from an employer, it reflects on the employee. If that person, the employee, decides not to do anything, even though they disagree that there's anything wrong, they remain silent. In other words, as you mentioned before the break, uh, what's the worst thing can happen? Well, if, if you're silent, then uh. you're deemed to have accepted what the company says. And then later on, when the company says, well, we're letting you go for all these things, you can't go back and say, well, well no, no, that was wrong. Well, if it was wrong, you would have said something, and the company's going to uh, treat it as if it was right. Yeah. So if ultimately the goal is to either not lose your job or at the very least make sure that you get severance when you lose your job, then you have to respond. You don't want to make it more easy or easier for the company to let you go for cause. You may want to make it more difficult. It's always difficult to terminate for cause, but you want to make it that much more difficult. And the way you do that is by responding intelligently and clearly to a company's performance reviews, to unfair criticism, to an unfair performance improvement plan. Uh, If you don't do that, again, you're going to make it easier for the company to let you go and easier for the company to avoid paying you severance. All things like this can be especially stressful for an employee if it goes on for some time. I know you've heard situations like this. I know you're going to advise against it, but 
causing a lot of stress could be bad. Should someone take a medical leave, the ostrich approach, just kind of disappear, put their head in the sand, or no? Not a good idea. And no. I, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people have called me and saying, you know, I'm seeing the writing on the wall. I think they're going to let me go. I think something's going to happen. So I want to go on a medical leave. And hopefully if I do that, if I, you know, give a doctor's, then maybe that kind of makes it all go away. But it doesn't. It won't make it go away and could make it worse. Uh, the company, if the company's made a decision that you're going to be let go, you uh, taking medical leave is not going to change that. Maybe it delays it, maybe, uh, until you're back, but not necessarily. And if the company has not decided that you're going to be let go and they get the impression that uh, you're, you're taking medical leave just to try to avoid any problems, then that could actually push them to let you go. So not a good right. idea. Now, clearly, if you can't work legitimately, if there's a legitimate medical reason, absolutely. Take medical leave. Take as long as you need to. In fact, you have to do that. But to do that just to avoid a workplace problem, not a good idea. It's not going to solve anything. Better approach always is to respond to criticism, to put your position in writing, not to, be, not to shy away from uh, the uncomfortable situation that that may create. If you do that, if you do what I say, you're going to always be better off. Someone's given a warning or two. The uh, you know they're still not happy with them. The employer that is. Does that mean they'd be let go for cause at this point? No, uh, not necessarily. Not in, in fact, very likely not. Remember what I've said before, and what I've said many times. It's extremely difficult to be let go for cause. Very, very difficult. It's reserved for the worst offenders always. So the fact that you may have done something wrong doesn't mean you can be let go for cause. The fact that you may have received a warning it does not mean you can be let go for cause. People that can be let go for cause or, or employees that can be let go for cause uh, is only in situations where whatever the employee did makes it impossible for them to be allowed to continue working. That's very, very difficult. So usually we would have to have several disciplinary measures that are legitimate mm. and the behavior itself uh, would have to be serious. In most situations, and I've been doing this for a very long time, so I can talk from the perspective of thousands of matters that I've seen over the years, when the company lets go supposedly for cause, it's not. They've pulled the trigger before they should. Either the behavior is not bad enough or they haven't built up their case uh, to, to, to prove cause. So good good rule of thumb is if you're let go for cause, if you're let go without severance, you call me. I was just saying, that was really the final question on this topic is how deep you let this go and when is it important to give you a call when you pull the trigger on that? Whenever you're starting to sense that the company is trying to uh, pave a way, pave a, a path for you to no longer be in the company, yeah. uh, whenever you're getting a sense that a company maybe is hoping that you'll resign, uh, where now they're picking on you, when now you think, wait a second, this is not legitimate. Whenever you're getting that that bad bad feeling, your your, your spidey sense is starting to tingle. Usually, you're are, you're right. That's a good time to call me. That's a good time for us to to convene and talk about how do we deal with that. How do we either try to salvage your job or at least put you in the best position to get the most compensation? So if you're getting a bad sense from the company, that is the time to call. Last couple of minutes, I'll squeeze in an email before we, uh, we wrap here. Fran says, I worked for a small company for 26 years. We just found out that the business is closing at the end of the month. The owner says that, well, because we're a small company, they don't have to pay us any severance. Is that right? I get emails like that, John, every single day. It, it's it's mind-boggling that some people would think that, or some employers would think that that's right. The size of the company, the size of the company's payroll, the number of employees has nothing to do with your full severance entitlements. Nothing. So if you work for a company with two employees and you're let go for whatever reason, you get severance. If you work for two thousand with a company with two thousand employees, you get severance. So for this person, twenty-six years of employment. Not only does Fran get severance. 
she's going to get probably right around two years pay. And hmm. that may mean her employer gets a bit of a rude awakening, but that is just the way it is. It's the same amount of severance, big company or small company. It's based on your age, your position, and the length of your employment. So, Fran, don't believe anything other than what I just, tell, uh, uh, what I just told you. Call me. Let's talk about that. And the good news is not only are you going to get severance, it's actually not going to be difficult to get. Why do, why do companies think that? Because I'm a small company, I don't have to pay. Unfortunately, John, and this is going to sound ridiculous to people that have not heard our show before, is because the Ministry of Labor, our government here, may tell them that. Oh the reason for that is the, your minimum entitlements, your, your absolute minimum entitlements may depend on the size of the company, but that's irrelevant because your full entitlements have nothing to do with the size of the company. So if you contact the Ministry of Labor, they'll say, oh, no, no, you work for a small company, you don't get severance. That is false. That is wrong. You get severance. You get the same amount of severance. You want to know how much it is? Go to severancepaycalculator.com or call me because you do get it. Done for another week. Excellent stuff. You want to contact Lior, the rest of the team. Now that we're done until next Saturday, no problem. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. And as Lior just mentioned, always, always, always check severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, the Employment Hour on News Talk five eighty CFRA.